Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Fans. Welcome to another edition of the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham. Join alongside Connor Morris. We're talking all things USC football. If you're listening anywhere across the uh, Peristyle Podcast universe, any of your podcasting platforms, we appreciate that. And if you're watching us live on our YouTube channel over at Inside Troy, we love that as well. We are broadcasting this live uh, Tuesday starting at 3 p.m. Pacific, I guess you can call it a simulcast, whatever you want to do. But yeah, we'll have you guys live in there and take your questions live, put some chat comments up there. And of course, we record it all for the Parasol podcast. We are counting down to the opener for USC and San Jose State uh, coming up, well, a week and a half, Connor. We got like, we got actual college football. We got to talk mock game week. We got to talk about special team stuff. Uh, new slogans on the defensive side. we got a lot of stuff to get to today, but thanks again for uh, coming in. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And yeah, I'm ready for the season to start. It's nice to talk to players and coaches after practice and hear about how much better everyone is, but I'm ready to see it. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. My uh, podcast partner for the Podcast of Champions put up a comedy says, another intro you need to redo, Ryan, unless Connor is a special guest. Yes, our Tunnel Vision intro has me, has Chris Trevino, it has Shotgun Spratling, and special guests. But we got to get you on there too. Um, so yeah, we'll, we usually redo the intro because like Malcolm Epps is catching a pass, Tuli Tulipoloto is getting a sack. Like those guys aren't on the team anymore. So we'll you know we'll refresh it. Especially we'll get some new footage. Uh, you know, probably some highlight footage when USC plays San Jose State. So uh, yes, David, we got to redo that intro <laughs> as well. But uh, yeah, thanks for everyone tuning in. We're over on the YouTube channel. Um, like I said, put some comments in there. We'll get them up on the screen and everything. If you have questions or comments for the show, you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com. We got a bunch of emails today. So thank you for sending those in. You can also call or text us at 424-254-9141. And I think we got a text message and a voicemail or two to get to. And if you have the Apple podcasting app on your phone, like your iPhone or iPad or whatever, you can follow us there on the Parastyle Podcast. It really helps. And leave us a five-star rating and review. That helps to grow the show as well. We got a couple of new ones. Um, S-T-E-B-E-76 says, uh, Ryan and the team do a great job bringing information to the fans. Been listening for years. The recent episode with Coach Harvey Hyde was a banger. <laughs> Thanks uh, for that. And then we have another one. Um, remember last week we were asked, and I, I end up asking some people about this, uh, the four by one relay, four by one hundred relay team. Like who would be, um, who would be on that from the USC football team? So JB class of eighty eighty two says, uh, fun fact, SC holds a world record in the four forty relay. This was from nineteen sixty seven, which it's no longer run. But Lennox Miller, Fred Culler, Ed McCullough, uh, Earl McCullough, sorry, and OJ Simpson were the runners. Both, both uh, McCullough and OJ were the football players. So USC had a world record in that for a time. And he gave some sprint times for the guys that are currently on the team. 2023 verified high school time. So Zachariah Branch was a 10-3-3 guy. Damani Jackson, 10-2-5. Uh, Garrison Madden was a 10-7-1. Uh, Ray Lake Brown was a 10-82. Sayer Wright was 10-84. 
Prophet Brown was sub 11, and then Quentin Joyner was a 1099. And just 40 times, Taj Washington had a 442, and Brendan Rice, who was mentioned, had a 445. So um, the two guys up top is what uh, I forget who I asked. You can probably remember who I asked. I don't even remember. I'm like, uh, it was, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Mario Williams. I'm like, who would be on that team? And he said he wouldn't be. But the first guys he mentioned were Zach, uh, Zion Branch and Damani Jackson. I think you got to include Brendan Rice, too, after seeing some of the mileage stuff. Did you see Bruce Feldman just released his freaks of the college football season heading into the year, and Brendan Rice made the cut from USC? So I think he has some some crazy, crazy speed, too, which we knew about, but I think he needs to be on that team, too. Yeah, no, it's, and you know his 40 wasn't as good, but you know we'll see. Um, comment from uh, Lab Rat 1970. That's my birth year by the way i don't want to give away my age but 52 but <laughs> <Too> yeah late. <laughs> uh late 70 uh, no beards yeah so i i'm not i wasn't a regular beard guy connor more of a regular beard guy right or not really was that just a- yeah i'm more of a every two weeks do the electric shaver and try to keep the neck clean every week you know i, I i'm trying during football season to look a little cleaner so okay maybe i'll do it more consistently now nice uh very cool um, all right. Yeah. No, my, I'm not much of a beard guy. I just sort of did it when I went fishing and everything. So, um, but yeah, that was fun. Also want to thank our sponsor Trader Joe's before we get anything. We have a special little event going on, uh, later this week. So on Friday, USC, and it, I still haven't found, it seems like mostly donors are going to this, uh, salute to Troy. I haven't found like the, oh, here's where you buy tickets and stuff. It wasn't super easy. So I think it was more of a private, like, I don't know if it's private or whatever, but like, it seems like donors are going, but salute to Troy gates open at five 30, uh, on the USC campus, just over across the street at the university village, um, where in front of Trader Joe's, we are going to have, uh, prizes. We're going to have snacks. We're going to have drinks. Uh, I think we're gonna have 800 of those Trader Joe's bags, which I, I don't have with me, but I brought one in before I showed you guys last week, which looks really cool. Uh, USC branded Trader Joe's bag. So we're going to start about 3.30 over in front of Trader Joe's. And uh, they, we have some gift cards to give away. We're going to try to get some former players. We're trying to get current players to come, but because it's like mock game week, it's starting like 11 o'clock on Friday. The players are locked down. So we're not going to be able to get current players. Uh, but I know Brandon Hancock, uh, former USC fullback, was on national championship teams at USC. He's going to go. We're talking to some other players. Talk to Anthony Davis, who's going to be honored uh, the 1973 team. So they have the 50-year anniversary 1973 team and then the 25-year anniversary 1998 team. So I've talked to some of those players, but a bunch of them weren't able to come. Uh, Chris Claiborne, the uh, Butkus Award winner, I talked to him. He was not going to be able to make it, which is unfortunate. Anthony Davis is coming up, I think, from Orange County or San Diego or something. And it's going to be tough for him to make it. He's actually working. So, like, making it on a Friday before 530 is going to be tough anyway. So, we're working. I will try to get some former players there. But we'll have part of the uscfootball.com staff hanging out there and uh, before we all scramble and go off to high school football games. But it should be a lot of fun, you know, meeting with different fans, talking to USC football. Then you can walk over to campus and go to Salute to Troy. So, hopefully you guys can uh, make it out there. Get those bags. Those bags are really cool. So, uh, come on over and... Check it out. Get some free stuff from Trader Joe's. And uh, before you over, head over to uh, Salute to Troy. Yeah, I'm planning on being there. So be nice to meet some folks. And Ryan, the reason you don't have the Trader Joe's bag today is because you gave it to me. And I've been doing my grocery oh, shopping yes. okay. with that bag. So thank you again. And uh, I know we can't see the bag right now, but trust me, it's really cool. I have one in the other room. Oh, I can, oh, do you? Okay. I can grab one or whatever. <laughs> but um, it's funny. So They're cool. They're cool. Yeah. Uh, 
Oh, I'm sorry. So my, my bad, Connor. So uh, Eric Hyde, Sir Eric of Troy pointed out that he did ask that question, but it wasn't on this show. It was on the Harvey Hyde show. So I'm sorry if I stumped you. I'm like You're like, huh? I don't remember that one. Well, I think, we I think you it mentioned it to me too. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Moose says four by hundred leg order should be Branch, Damani, Raylik, and then he mentions uh, Rice or a uh, Raleek. Uh, they changed the pronunciation. Rice or Michael Jackson. Yeah, Michael Jackson's pretty fast too. So. Yeah, I, th- I think the Branch for sure. Um, Jackson for sure. Yeah, Damani it, it, for sure. It seems like maybe one or two spots are pretty open. Yeah, nice. But that was a good. Uh, yeah, I remember asking Mario Williams and. He didn't give all four, but he gave those two. And he just said he wouldn't be, he was more of a baseball guy. He wasn't like a track guy. So, all right. Uh, that makes sense. So, you excited? How are you doing so far? Like, this has been uh, <laughs> almost a month. Al- almost a month. Yeah. Were you on staff? Yeah. yeah do- You're regretting it every no, day. No, no, doing really well. <laughs> Loving going out to practice. I really like doing the podcasts and the instant analysis videos too. I, like looking at the YouTube comments, and people are pretty funny on, on those instant analysis <laughs> videos. Um, but I, I'm loving it, and this opportunity has allowed me to do more stuff like this, which is what I love. I was a broadcast major in college, so uh, doing the podcasting and the videos has been really, really fun, and I'm excited to do some more. That's good. Like Chris kind of reluctantly does it, and uh, you know he has his own humor, and he does it in a funny way, which is good. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you're embracing it because it is a lot. I've I've always enjoyed doing this kind of stuff. It's fun. Um, and it's, I love interacting with the fans and talking football, just sharing your opinions, you know, and uh, you've been doing a really good job of it. So hopefully everyone is enjoying uh, Connor as part of the team. I've had a lot of great feedback, but yeah, almost a month. So um goes, goes by fast. <laughs> yeah. Especially the, the football season goes by so fast. So uh, I know it's almost here and been a quick off season but i'm excited for things to get even quicker here yeah it's gonna it's gonna happen fast so like we said uh the ending we're doing mock game week so we're gonna talk a little bit about that uh, i want to first thing up um last week i got to talk about the coaches poll this week is the preseason ap poll so the more important poll but neither poll is that important um usc if you remember number six of the coaches also number six in the uh the ap so the, the top, i'll go to the top 10 georgia number one duh uh michigan Number two, uh, Ohio State, number three. Alabama comes in at number four. LSU and uh, Brian Kelly, former Notre Dame head coach, they're at number five. And then USC comes in at number six. So uh, pretty good. Penn State, another Big Ten team. They're number seven. Florida State on the rise, number eight. Clemson, ACC opponent, number nine. And then Washington makes the top 10 uh, for the Pac-12. So last season, the Pac-12, you got USC at six. You got Washington at 10. Uh, they go Utah at 14, Oregon uh, number 15, and the Beavers uh, at number 18, Oregon State. USC doesn't play, but they could play in the Pac-12 championship. And then USC also has Notre Dame on the schedule coming at number 13. So similar to what we saw in the coaches poll. Um, I know people are – the votes, the vote disparity is going to be a lot bigger uh, in these early season ones. I've seen some reporters having USC somewhere in the teens – some have them higher, but I think six is probably about right. I don't know what you think. Yeah, and six was where they were in the coaches' poll. So last week, talked all about how Lincoln Riley last season gained the respect of his fellow coaches by having them be voted in as number six. And I feel that with the writers, too. Uh, the, the roster's improved. The, the, what 
they did last year, even though it ended in disappointing fashion, I think made a lot of people uh, realize how how good of a job that that Lincoln Riley did going from four and eight to eleven and three. Really impressive. So the fact that the roster is better and uh, the there's so much excitement around the team. I think number six is fair, and that's why we see it in both polls. What What's interesting to me is, Ryan, USC, it's such a big year with Caleb Williams, and we've talked about trying to maximize this window because you're probably only going to have him for, for one more season, of course. You could go to the NFL after this year. And it's just interesting. You mentioned the, the teams they play in the Pac-12, but they don't play any of those Tier 1, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, LSU teams, even Penn State, and the top 25 will fluctuate as the year goes on. But I, I sort of look at the schedule as it's definitely backloaded and it's going to be tough, but you dodge playing any of those really established year-in, year-out college football playoff teams. And for a USC team that I think is a lot better than it was a year ago, uh, that's important. And I think that's why this team has a really good chance to make the playoff. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Um, and we'll see how high Washington goes. The good thing for the Pac-12 is a lot of those teams that are ranked don't play each other till later. So they'll all have a chance to sort of build up their resumes. I think the the Big 12 used to do this a lot too, where like Texas and Oklahoma and those teams wouldn't really play each other till to the end. So they sort of like built up uh, early part of the schedule. I think the Pac-12 probably did a nice job of setting the schedule up. We're not having a bunch of these teams play each other early. Uh, it could be a bloodbath the second half of the season, but the beginning, you know, you're expecting USC to roll through. If not, there's uh, you know some real problems going on there. But yeah, you're right. I think... That's why the, the playoff expectations are there. I think the schedule's tougher than it was last year. Um, I mean, playing at Oregon and playing at Notre Dame, and, you know, Washington's going to be really good. But you get Washington and, and Utah at home. Uh, you get UCLA at home. You know, I don't th- the teams that aren't good, I don't think are going to be – I don't think Cal and Stanford are going to be very good. I don't think Arizona's – you know, that they, they might be pesky, but I don't think they're going to be a world beater by any stretch of the imagination. ASU probably going to take a while. Colorado's probably going to take a while. So I feel like, you know, getting there, you can win those games, you know, and then it's just the other ones that are going to be tougher teams. Can you win most of them? And if they, you know, they go 11 to one, I think win the Pac-12, I think they're going to probably be in the playoffs. So we'll have to see, but it's setting up well, a lot of momentum early, and then uh, you got to finish strong. So they got to stay healthy. They don't got a lot of rest because of the nine straight weeks of playing football. So that, that'll be a tough one. That Oregon game is certainly interesting to me. That blue chip ratio that 247 Sports comes out with every year, talking about how a team has to recruit at a certain level to be in the conversation to win a national championship. Oregon and USC are the two Pac-12 teams on the list. And I just look at that Oregon game late in the year on the road. I think that'll tell us a lot. If they do slip up for one game this year and you know of course they could slip up for more than one but that yeah. Oregon game looks really really tricky to me and I, I'm, I'm excited for that one that's going to be a big big showdown huge show. I mean with the recruiting and everything um yeah it's a big deal that's a that's the game you want to you you want to win so uh all right we had a comment from uh Jared I shudder whenever I hear the phrase mock game week so this is before your time covering USC Connor but that was sort of a Clay Hilton would kind of say the same thing. There was a lot, there was a routine. If, if anything, Clay Hilton had a routine. So there was always, if he had planned to like, you know, have practice at 8 p.m. Uh, on August 15th, and he planned that in January, that was going to be the plan. And like, we've had Lincoln Riley switch practices <laughs> like the day of, you know, so there's no like sticking to the, whatever you wrote down like eight months ago, uh, Clay Elton was kind of like that. And one of the routines was like the mock game week. And he would tell you how many practices they had because 
People at one point people questioned like how many practice how many times they practiced going into one of the bowl games. So then he started numbering the practices and telling you how many they had. And he just started this routine and mock game week was one of those things. So I think there's like sort of like people shudder, like, oh my God, I don't think I want to hear that. But um, you know, really just kind of going through pretending like it's the game week, doing all the things. And like we said, Friday, he's going to shut the players down at 11. You go some th- walk through there. They are going to do their salute to Troy event. Uh, but they'll, you know, I think go to a hotel, like kind of pretend that you're in a game week. So I don't, I get it. I know there's some negative connotation because you've kind of heard it first with Clay Helton, but you know, if Lincoln Riley wants to do it, I think you should say, okay, that's fine. He wants to do it. And I, I remember after the spring game, we did the same dance with people getting, bad flashbacks because didn't Lincoln Riley talk about situational mastery with Caleb Williams after the spring game I think Bill Plaschke asked him how can Caleb get better and he mentioned that term and I think that set off a lot of USC fans because wasn't that a Clay Helton term too situational mastery was bad I don't remember that one specifically there's something I think I think it might have been close I'd have to go back and look but if it was exactly situational mastery yeah people would get they would flip out I'm pretty sure it was and that makes sense though I I know you don't want to get bog two down with with clay helton stuff but that is a good area that caleb williams can improve just he was so good a year ago now mastering situations that maybe he didn't master last year that as a guy who was new i thought okay i I don't think he sounds like the old coach i think that's a good point so maybe we got to cut him a little slack you definitely have to cut him a little (laughs) slack um it's lincoln riley you know it's like this is when you hire somebody that's really good at their job like that's what i've you weren't around, but I've clamored for this forever. Like, hey, why don't you just get an athletic director who's good at being an athletic director instead of just getting some guy that happens to be a USC football player? Like, this this happens to be a coach that was in your system that didn't screw up a whole bunch of times. Let's make him the head coach. No, hire someone that's good at their job. Lincoln Riley, proven good at his job. And we'll see how good he can end up being at USC. So you have to give guys like that the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes, you know, you have your, your company struggling and you hire this great CEO, CEO from some other company, you bring him in and man, he cut some people in HR and uh, he downsized the the accounting department. Like whatever he does, and if something you don't like, or he did something, oh, they were doing that before. You kind of let him do his thing or her thing, whatever it is. You let that person be a leader and they're going to rub, you know, ruffle some feathers. They're going to say some things that you don't like, but they, they're going to do something different, which you need. You need something different. And uh, I think for USC fans, you're like, all right, just give, Give Lincoln Riley the benefit of the doubt. You know, if he if there's a, like things over and over and over again, and they're doing this, you know, like whatever it is, like fine. But it's year two. Like you're gonna let him do what he needs to do. It obviously did some things that were right last year to go from four and eight to eleven and three. You won a freaking Heisman Trophy. Like I, you know, it's just I would give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, certainly. And looking at a list of realistic USC hires, I don't know if there's a better one out there than Lincoln Riley. So no. I mean, it's not exactly a hot take, but they nailed that hire, and as long as he's here. Looks like they'll have a chance. Although it's interesting looking ahead, Ryan, to next season. Who knows what the Big Ten schedule is going to look like now that uh, Oregon and Washington are in. I think that'll have to get changed around. But starting with LSU, potentially having a new quarterback. A lot of these transfers USC's taken in have been guys who have said they either want to leave after this year and go to the NFL or they just have one year of eligibility left. I don't want to get ahead of myself, which is totally what I'm doing here, looking ahead to 2024. But uh, I, I think you're going to see the importance of Lincoln Riley when you have a little bit more of a rebuilding roster, and uh, that's going to be the case a year from now. Oh, for 100. percent You know, um, when Caleb Williams is gone, how do you, who's the you know who's going to be the heir apparent? Is it Miller Moss? Is it Malachi Nelson? Is it some transfer that you don't even know is going to be on the market yet? Like, who knows? We've seen Lincoln Riley kind of do all of it. So, um, yeah, it's. 
that's going to be a little bit more of a rebuild because they've brought in some guys that are like free agent one year guys. Yeah. But they also brought in some like highly ranked, you know, five star younger guys on the defense, you know, like the Bear Alexanders will be around for that or, or Anthony Lucas. So guys like that will still be here, but there will be a bunch of dudes you're going to need to replace too. But like you said, getting ahead of yourselves and. We'll figure out uh, going forward. Yeah, the the nice thing with a guy like Lincoln Riley is you're always going to be in the mix, right? No, I mean you're, and it's it's good. Everything's changing going to the Big Ten, and we don't even know what the schedule is now because it's got all screwed up. Because now you had Oregon and Washington last minute, so we knew what the schedule was. I had a graphic up here, but I had to delete it because like that's gone. Um, so we'll we don't even know what the schedule is going to be. So a lot of that stuff it'll be interesting. We'll be going through the season, and like 2024 stuff is going to be coming out. You know, like where will the remaining pack. <laughs> four teams play or will they join another co- I mean all that stuff is going to be happening during the season because we've run out of off season to talk about the normal off season topics this is going to be in season stuff like who does USC play in 2024 we don't know anymore so you don't even know the teams are going to be on your schedule next season so all that stuff which normally like fun off season things we're gonna have to be covering it during the season because it's just it's all kind of like we just got we ran out of time no more off season left all this stuff happening. Yeah, we'll see uh, who the protected opponents are and the flex protect model and all that stuff. That's really good off-season conversations when football isn't being played. So, yeah, I guess we'll just have to double dip. Uh, we will. Um, and we don't know if it's still going to be flex protect because now there's 18 teams. <laughs> USC Football for Life says, does that mean USC will no, no longer be playing LSU? No, we we believe that game's still going to happen. Oh, that, that's locked in for sure. Yeah, so there's no – it's just about the Big Ten schedule is changing. So that USC knew their opponents – uh, home and away. We didn't know which week everything was going to happen. Um, now we assume that USC will be playing Oregon and Washington along with UCLA. So that would be one less road trip, uh, you know, a couple time zones over. So that's what, but we don't know yet. So all that stuff we would have heard in July and August. Now we're going to get, or June. Now we're going to get September or something like that. So uh, we'll see. All right. So mention the mock game week stuff. Uh, they had practice, team had practice on Monday. Uh, it was supposed to be in the morning, and then they changed it. I had I was a blood donation appointment, and I just decided not to go and do it. But it, unfortunately, I should have went because Lincoln Riley spoke, uh, Alex Grinch spoke, a bunch of defensive players spoke. Um, I know they had some sort of scrimmage over the weekend. Maybe we can start with that. Um, did, you know what, what kind of intel did you get from uh, what happened in the scrimmage from the players and stuff? I asked Coach Riley who was the standout from the last scrimmage because in the first scrimmage he came out had an opening statement when talking to reporters and said Zion Branch was the standout if I had to pick one guy had a pick six forced a fumble played really really well and I asked him did anyone rise to that level in the second scrimmage and he singled out a couple guys but my big takeaway was there wasn't one standout dominating guy and maybe Caleb Williams is that and Lincoln Riley just doesn't talk about Caleb Williams he hasn't really mentioned him at all when uh, asked about that kind of thing so might have to take that with a grain of salt. But the guys he did mention about the second scrimmage, uh, Miller Moss, he said, did well. The freshman running backs did really well, Quentin Joyner and Marion Peterson. He also singled out Jamil Muhammad and then Tackett Curtis, and he was asked a little bit more about Tackett Curtis later on. And I, I thought he had some interesting remarks just talking about how his effort is always there. And he used four reallys, Ryan, when talking about how hard he practiced Tackett. He said That's a lot of reallys. He practices really, 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 really hard. And... That was significant to me. But those guys were the the shout out or the guys who were shouted out and uh, not one big standout, a few guys who really separated themselves, according to Coach. Yeah, it sounds like 
you know, it was a defensive one scrimmage the previous weekend, and this was more even, right? Like, yeah, he he, he also said the offense started better, which was encouraging, and then the defense finished better, which was the opposite of the week before. And this goes into his whole thing that he said all fall camp. He's had some teams where one side of the ball, probably the offense, does really well every day, and it's consistently the offense doing well in this team and the better teams that he's had in the past. It's been back and forth, so that kind of has been consistent with what he said all off season and. That's why I'm so excited for the season to start, Ryan, because we hear so much. The defense is better. The defense is better. It's so competitive. It's back and forth. I am excited to see it. No, yeah. we're. I mean, I just did some, you know, doing radio more and more now. And, like, everyone's going to ask about the defense. And uh, you're just like, look, we don't get to watch all the practice, but they have a whole bunch of guys returning re- returning starters that probably aren't going to be starting anymore. Like, that's a, usually a pretty good sign, the, the players they added. So, um, speaking of sort of like some of the players they've added. It looks like the rush end spot and the defensive end spot, there's some guys kind of bouncing back and forth there a little bit. I mean, we expect the depth, the depth there seems to be a lot better. I mean, a guy like Romello Height, you're just, you know, there's there's a lot of potential there. Um, you mentioned Jamil Muhammad who comes in and just, you know, the fact that he's getting first team reps, you know, from Georgia State, you're like, who is this guy? And like he's coming in and probably is going to start. Um, what have you seen kind of at that spot? Seems like there's some uh, cross training, I guess you could say. Yeah, in recent practices, the Russian group has been pretty big, but yesterday it was only three guys working on drills. Jamil Muhammad was in there, Romelo Height was in there, and Braylon Shelby, the freshman, was in there. It was just three guys and a walk on, three scholarship guys working really hard. We've seen Anthony Lucas and Sam Green with that group in the past. They were with the defensive linemen yesterday. Anthony Lucas. It looks like he's just going to line up wherever the best matchup is. They they want him to to be versatile, to move all, all over the, the end of the line. So I, I think the fact that we're seeing him move around so much is indicative of where he's going to play. He was at rush end a lot. He was at defensive end, like I said uh, yesterday. So I, I think he'll play there a lot. And then Sam Green, he, he was working on the special teams as well. I think he's just made such an impact and he has so many guys ahead of him, despite the fact that he's played so well, that they just want to get him on the field. So uh, he was working with the defensive lineman too. And, and the him working with the special teams unit just tells me they want to find a role for this guy and they, they, they think he can really help. Uh, so I thought that was encouraging too. Um, yeah. So that's, I mean, I, I think they're going to be able to rush the passer a lot. The guys that they have, I don't know, oh, who's going to play here, who's going to play there, who's going to start, or what's the rotation, but there's just a lot more dudes that can get after things and make and and make a mess. You want you want someone to get in the backfield and blow plays up. And it seems like they have a bunch of guys that can do it. A guy like Muhammad is, you know, former quarterback. He just seems to understand the game really well. Like that's a when you bring in a transfer like that, you're thinking, oh, like he could be like you know, too deep, maybe just help out with depth a little bit. Like, I don't think you expect that guy to be a starter, but holy cow, like someone, he can be, you know, he's, he could just be a menace out there. And, and USC fans will be like, who the heck is that guy? You know? Yeah, he's come on really strong. And every time we ask a player or a coach about him, what's Jamil's biggest strength? What does he do best? It's always pass rushing, pass rushing, pass rushing. Yeah. So I imagine in a third down situation, third and long, an obvious passing down, we could see him at rush end and maybe Anthony Lucas at defensive end because it looks like Jamil Muhammad is going to be pretty exclusively at that rush end spot. He might even play some special teams too. He was doing some special teams work. So I think that uh, is a guy who we talk so much about the versatility, but he seems to be a guy you can plug in at that rush end spot. He hasn't really moved around too much. You mentioned the special teams. I know you guys did instant analysis on Monday, kind of talking about that. Um, that's one of the aspects that, you know of practice we can watch is they're doing like kickoff return sort of drills and then 
punt return drills where they'll run like they'll throw like a, an exercise ball after you catch it, or they'll have you try to catch a punt when you already have one ball in your your one of your arms, and they'll do some different things before like while the rest of the team is sort of stretching. But it sounds like there was a few new faces over there, uh, just fielding some kickoffs. Yeah, they were having some bigger guys, and Chris pointed out in instant analysis, it's not the biggest guys on the team, not the offensive linemen, but it was a couple tight ends, Jude Wolf, Lake McCree, Jamil Muhammad was in that mix, Anthony Lucas, they were fielding kickoffs, and that was because if the opponent has a short kick, you want to not be blindsided by the guys back there who aren't the returners. If they're going to have to make a play, you want them to make a play, and I can report that everyone made the catch. No one, no one bobbled anything out of that group, which was impressive. I mean, Anthony Lucas is this big six foot whatever 265 massive defensive lineman and he's out there catching kicks he looked really athletic during those drills and uh, that really impressed me but yeah everyone made a catch which was cool oh that's good yeah we'll we'll see I mean again like we're not able to watch a lot of uh, what's been going on but we try to get as much insight as possible um Chris Trevino does a great job with his ghost notes so make sure you check it out and you know Connor contributes we have other people kind of contributing little notes there but they're funny, they're witty, uh, they're for uscfootball.com subscribers only, so make sure you get over there and check it out. If you're not a subscriber, you can sign up for an annual membership. It's 30% off right now uh, for the annual membership. Um, it's, yeah, it's like a cup of coffee a month or something, basically what it comes down to. And Or you can do a dollar for the first month, so go check it out. But those notes are awesome. Like You get a feel. I mean, I go to the practices, and I read his ghost notes, and I'm like, I don't know how he picks all this stuff up. It's hard to observe everything when there's like a hundred guys you're trying to watch at once and people ask you specific questions about all of them. And you're like, you can't watch everybody all at one time. And we, you know, we got like 20 minutes, so it's, it can be tough, but the ghost notes are worth it. Make sure you go check those out. They're yeah, a lot of fun. And he notices everything. Like you said, who comes out of the tunnel, who doesn't. And that's a lot of guys to keep track of uh, 85 scholarship players and walk-ons. And Chris is able off the top of his head. Oh, I didn't see him. I didn't see him. And 99.9% of the time he, he's right. And uh, when he's watching, it's just cool to watch him as a guy who also um, is in journalism and, and watching practice. It, it's cool to observe the guy who does a, does such a good job observing. So I, I, I love working with Chris. He's been awesome. No, that's great. Um, we're uh, so when we talk about injuries, there are specific uh, yeah. guidelines that we have to follow with, you know, if Lincoln Riley addresses the injury, you know, we can talk about it. If it's something we like see on the field, we're not supposed to uh, say anything uh, about that. He did. I know he did talk about um, the, or maybe it was Alex Grinch about the uh, linebacker depth, um, Eric Gentry, uh, Shane Lee, guys that haven't been full go, at least lately. Any kind of updates on some of the injury news that Lincoln Riley or Alex Grinch talked about? Alex Grinch mentioned, I believe, Shane Lee, definitely, and I think it was Rajon Davis, and he said he expects both those guys to be back for the first game. What's interesting about the linebacker spot is Mason Cobb's been healthy all camp, and I think it's safe to pencil him in as uh, one of the starters. And then Tackett Curtis has just been present every day, and everyone who's listening to this probably knows how extensively people talk about him, the coaches, the players, how big of an impression he's made. And with some of those other linebackers being banged up, that's given Tackett Curtis a chance to really prove himself and get some reps with the ones. And apparently he's done so well and he he's really taken the opportunity to show what he can do. So I mentioned today in the peristyle on one of my posts, I commented, I don't think he's going to start in that first game, but if the way the injuries shake out and someone maybe doesn't come as far along as, as the coaches expected, 
don't be surprised if he does start. If he is listed as, I think it would be him and then or another player due to injury on the top of that depth chart. He's made the biggest impression really out of anyone defensively talking to, to players and coaches. So some people look at me like, oh, he's only a freshman. I don't think that's possible. I think there's a real chance. I don't know what the percentage is right now, but there's absolutely a chance he could start in that San Jose State game. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch when uh, when a um, highly rated recruit comes in and contributes right away. We hear about it. the fans love it. They want you know <laughs> they want Corey Foreman to start and get ten sacks in his first game. You know it didn't happen, but if Taka Curtis could come out and do something, uh, I think that people would be extremely excited to see him out there just because he was such a highly uh, uh, coveted prospect coming out of high school out of Louisiana. Yeah, and, and I'll say this. If everyone is 100% healthy and, and ready to go, I do not think he'll be a starter. I think what would elevate him to that starting role would be an injury. But if everyone is 100%, I still think he'll absolutely play a lot. He's earned reps. And there was one other um, defensive injury we're not going to discuss because Lincoln Riley hasn't talked about it yet. Uh, Chris Trevino posted something yesterday on the Peristyle. So if you're a member over there, uh, it's being discussed, but we're not going to discuss it here since, um, you know, we, we have to get official word from Lincoln Riley, but definitely, you know, unfortunate news. We haven't seen anyone go down with a major injury so far in camp. This was the first one we sort of like heard about. Um, but yeah, that, I think overall though, Connor, just, it seems relatively healthy, right? Like we haven't, we've seen guys get nicked up a little bit and miss a little bit of time, but. Uh, this is the first we had heard of any sort of like significant injury. Yeah, besides that, some guys who have little nicks, we've seen them still at practice. Maybe they just don't have their pads on, but they're still present. The, the bad sign is when guys are out hurt and then they don't even show up to the practice field. If guys are present, it makes me think, okay, it's a minor thing and they should be back out there soon. Yeah. Um, all right. And then one other thing, uh, Alex Grinch had a big scrum around him. A lot of, a lot of media were interesting what he had to say. Yesterday, because we haven't heard from him, right, since uh, Pac-12, I mean, USC Media Day. Um, I don't think we've had him yet, right, for practice? This was the first time? This was the first time. Yeah. Uh, so two of the words he used were consistency and coachability. But maybe kind of give a summary of what um, of Alex, what Alex Grinch said. Sometimes it's tough to take away stuff uh, from what he says. But the biggest thing, I, I thought two things stuck out to me. He talked about how Zion Branch and the 14 practices or 15 practices that he's had during fall camp has improved or come along as well as anyone Grinch has ever been around. So I don't really think you could pay a guy a higher compliment. So I think the fact that Zion Branch is trending in the right direction. I've seen people talk about how Bryson Shaw and Max Williams Grinch feels like he can really trust those guys, and I still expect them to play a decent amount, but the fact that Zion Branch is trending in the right direction, mentioned it last week, I think is really big, and, and Coach Grinch talked about that a lot. The The second thing is something that's been a theme all camp. He just talks so much about the defensive depth and how he thinks that is going to translate to fourth quarter success because they have more guys who are going to contribute. They're going to be better. People won't have to play a ton of snaps. If uh, there's no one reliable behind a player at a certain position, Grinch is expecting guys to to rotate in and out, and he thinks that's going to make a big difference in some of these games, especially later in the season. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with him there. I mean, he's someone I know a lot of fans don't like him, but he's, he's very forthcoming. He'll tell you like, man, we sucked or whatever. You know, he's, he's going to tell you what he thinks. Uh, I think Lincoln Riley does similar stuff. You know, he'll, he'll think about what he's going to say and he'll try to say something thoughtful. Um, and I think Alex Grinch is someone he's not like just giving you coach speak and pulling punches or anything. I think he's telling you what he believes. Um, and we'll see the depth is significantly better. And was that the biggest problem? And, if it was, then this USC defense is probably going to be pretty darn good, you know, and we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. But I agree. The depth looks a lot better. 
you know, we already mentioned guys that were starting last year might not play this year. That's saying something. That means there's they brought in some real dudes, um, and they 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 got a lot of guys. And I I, I like what I've seen so far. So I would be you know kind of cautiously optimistic as a USC fan that the defense can be significantly better. Me too. I think another area that USC fans were really frustrated with was tackling, and you just hope that with some of these new additions, some older guys, that could kind of translate to, to better tackling. And what I mean by that is if you have a guy who's 22 or, or 23 and older, a veteran player, he's played a lot of college football, I, I just think by nature those guys are going to be better at tackling than a, a younger player might be. That's not to say a younger player couldn't come in and, and look like a wily veteran tackling, but I just think this defense has a lot of players who have played a lot of college football and have made big impacts at other places, and I think that's really, really important. Yeah, you have these veteran guys, I mean, like the Jack Sullivans that have yeah. played for Five years, years. At, at Purdue. <laughs> Uh, that is like a coach. But then you also have like the upside guys. Yep. Like, oh, you didn't recruit a five-star defensive tackle. Well, you got one a year, at, you know, season. He got seasoned at Georgia for a year, you know, or seasoned at, at Texas A&M for a year. So those guys weren't super productive their, you know, first year in college. But all the upside is still there. So I think it's a good mix of what they've kind of brought in. Yeah. And if you're a USC fan, how can you not be excited about Bear Alexander? Because he popped in that national championship game on the biggest stage. He really made the most out of his reps. One sack. It could have been two sacks. You could see with your eyes a guy contribute to a national championship win. And now he's on your team. That would get me excited. Yeah. Uh, anything else? We'll take a break, do some questions. We have a lot of questions. But any other tidbits from practice or from the week you want to? share with the folks off the top of my head the other thing from practice and if people watched instant analysis i'm repeating myself but ryan you mentioned how in warm-ups a lot of guys will field those punts and it's like a revolving door it's like six guys when usc did a specific punt return drill it was zach branch and raleigh brown back there so i think when the season gets going i don't know exactly which guy is going to be the first guy it was raleigh during uh, the practice he did muff one so maybe that makes branch the the choice going into San Jose State but I think it's going to be one of those two guys with that first special teams unit as the punt returner which I'm excited about because I think those are two of the most dynamic players on the team yeah they can be uh I mean getting the you know best putter in the Pac-12 on your team improving the way you do the return game like there I think special teams could be a lot better which they were pretty bad last year so we'll see yeah if you believe in PFF grades I've said it before they were the worst graded special teams (laughs) unit in Division one. So nowhere to go but up. All right. Well, why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back and uh, answer a bunch of questions. Back in a minute. All right. We are uh, back here on the Peristyle podcast. Uh, We mentioned uh, Alex Grinch. Before uh, going to break, Michael Flores says, Grinch speaks like a physics professor. <laughs> That's kind of funny. All right. Um, I, li- I like talking to uh, to Alex Grinch, so um, it's pretty good. To his credit, he has answered all the tough questions because USC fans, I know, were really upset with how the season ended and the defense didn't play very well. And he hasn't been available a ton, but when he is available, he stands in there and he, he takes everything on the chin. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, let's get to some of the questions we have. We did get a uh, – so we had one voicemail on sort of that injury. We're not going to go in. Thanks, Eddie, for sending that in. But maybe we can talk about that next week. I, we'll have to wait till after Lincoln Riley addresses any injuries or potential injuries. We did get a voicemail from Joe in Boston. Uh, he just was giving a shout-out to Dan Weber. And uh, 
he wants to try to get him on a regular basis. Dan seemed so you know Dan's not been around for three years, and I feel like you know he left during the pandemic. I think he just kind of needed a break from things. It was Clay Helton. It was the pandemic. The Pac-12 was like way behind other conferences, and you know not wanting to play football and all this stuff. I think it all sort of like bummed Dan out, but he seems more excited now. So I think uh, you know we'll see more columns from Dan. And I'd love that. Yeah, we'll try to get him on some shows and stuff too. So uh, thanks, Joe, for sending that voicemail in. I just wanted to pass that uh, pass that along. We got a text message from uh, Nelson in Scottsdale, Arizona. He says, instead of abolishing the Pac-12, why don't they bring over the best six to eight Mountain West schools, Fresno State, San Diego State, San Jose State, UNLV, Boise State, et cetera. I'm not familiar with the media rights for the Mountain West, but it seems like it'd be much It'd be worth it to keep the Pac-12 alive after 108 years. Uh, thanks from Nelson. I'll, I'll get your comments real quick, though. Um, yeah, so my understanding is if you're trying to leave the, the Mountain West right now uh, for 2024, you would owe $34 million in exit fee. If you want to leave for 2025, it's 17. Still a significant amount of money. There is still value in the Pac-12. And, and John Wilner did a story about this today. All those NCAA tournament units... I think there's like $60 million worth of tournament units that basically all the schools that are leaving are leaving those units behind. Now they're paid out over like a six year period, but there's some money there to kind of help offset like any sort of rebuilding costs. But I feel like the main thing is just, it's, you, it's hard for them to leave. If a lot of them left, they could, uh, they could basically dissolve the whole mountain West and then that would go away. Then you'd be killing the mountain West. Um, so I'm not sure what's going to happen. I think that's a potential thing that could but it's harder to get those Mountain West schools, uh, especially early, because there's these huge exit fees, and it's not like the Pac-12 is flowing with cash. But there is there's value in the Pac-12 that they still have that automatic qualifier thing, uh, because they were a Power Five, and the NCAA or the you know the playoff committee said they'll follow whatever the NCAA is, and even if the Pac-12 dropped below eight members, which is the minimum, um, you have two years to get back up. So it's not like if they played a smaller conference for a year or two, it wouldn't hurt them. They could keep that sort of status. So my guess is you sort of need to change the name because there's like a lot of negative connotations associated with the name, but the entity itself, and I've used this analogy before, like if Connor starts a company and takes it public and it fails, there's still, (laughs) which obviously would probably happen. No, I'm just, there's still value. The fact that he took it public, like you just getting that stock ticker, like there's value there. There's there's still value of what the Pac-12 was, so now you just have to take your time kind of building it back up. So my guess is they're going to build it back up. How they do that is going to be a big question. So the, the latest reports are the American Athletic Conference would be the conference that the Pac-12 would partner with, which is interesting because that's like Memphis and Tulane and yeah. South Florida. So some schools, some group of five schools that are valuable in terms of group of five schools, but geographically, it doesn't make sense. I guess nothing makes sense geographically anymore in the world of college athletics. But uh, the latest stuff, Ryan, that I've seen is, yeah, the American Athletic Conference might be a landing spot for – or some of those teams might be a landing spot for the, for the Pac-12 and, and, and might uh, join the conference if it made sense financially. That's SMU also. So, I mean, it's, it's slim pickings in general, but at least – Schools in this conference, I, I think, would bring some more value than Mountain West schools, even if it doesn't make sense geographically. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, Eric in Duck Country wrote in an email, despite the addition of Bear Alexander, with Anthony Lucas dropping weight and lining up at rush end, is Grinch setting himself up with another undersized defensive line? Thanks, uh, Eric in Duck Country. 
I think Keon Bars and Barry Alexander, you can plug them in as the interior starters. And then last That's year... That's not small, yeah. No, not small. And then, and then I mean, I, I think SEC small, maybe, if we compared that interior of the, the line and talking about some depth guys as well to, to some of the best SEC teams or some of the best Big Ten teams. Maybe it's slightly undersized, but it's not a huge concern for me. I, I think, Ryan, we've mentioned it a bunch before, like Stanley Taofo, we saw a bunch of him last year. We saw a bunch of um, Tyrone Teleni last year, and, and these guys now are going to be asked to be depth pieces, yeah. and I think that's important. Jack Sullivan's a guy who could play on the inside. So when you look at some of those other national uh, title contending teams – I think maybe USC might be on the small side defensively on the inside um, just compared to those teams, but but it's not a huge concern for me. No, I, w- I would agree with you there. I think you're looking for something to – don't look at this line. Like the line's a lot better. There's a lot better dudes. Don't look, oh, man, it's this really small off defensive line. I wouldn't say that. Um, we had a couple of take it or leave it, which is a Chris thing. Chris loved to do these. Blackie Chan says, take it or leave it. USC will have three takeaways in the game opener. So San Jose State. I'll take it because San Jose State has a lot of new guys. I, I think their quarterback's new, and it's a, it's a big roster turnover from a year ago. So maybe USC, a team that hasn't had as much turnover in terms of, of guys leaving, it's just more turnover in the sense you're adding players to, to help your team. I, I could see USC uh, winning the turnover margin by, by three or more and Maybe they'll have one of their own USC. I don't know what's going to happen in that regard, but I could see them getting three turnovers. I'm going to leave it. I just feel like this is going to be – maybe they get a couple, but they were known for that, especially early in the season. They had three pick sixes last year in the opener, um, You know, four interceptions total, I believe. I feel like they're going to get some stops, which they I think they need that more than turnovers, to be honest. Like If they get turnovers, people are going to be like, oh, it's same old, same old. Like If they just shut people down and get stops three and outs, I think those are – more important for this defense than turnovers right now, especially in the opener. Um, so I kind of feel like they're focused on that. We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. You're not going to turn. You're not going to say we don't want a turnover or anything. But um, Michael says, take it or leave it. USC has a special teams tutty against San Jose State. I have to correct what I said. So the quarterback was there a year ago. He transferred from Hawaii the year before. But I'll I'll still oh, okay uh, uh, take. What yeah, I said. I th- yeah. I thought they got the transfer last year. Yeah. yeah. So my mistake on that. Uh, what what was that one? Oh, uh, will USC get a special teams touchdown against San Jose State? Uh, I guess I won't go full USC homer. I'll say leave it. Uh, if they're going to get all those takeaways, I, I, I'll say no on the special teams touchdown. That, those are hard to come by. <laughs> so I'm going to leave it too. Just playing the – if I'm a betting man, unless you're giving me like odds, like if you're saying like, oh, it's five to one, if they get a touchdown, I would take it. But not even odds. I'm not going to go uh, – I'm not going to go there for that. Um, John in Oakland says – this is a completely hypothetical question, email he sent in. Say USC has a magical season and wins a national championship while either the LA Rams or the Chargers fail to make the NFL playoffs and fire their head coach. They then give Lincoln Riley an offer that no limit living human could turn down and he leaves USC. They're two different organizations. I don't know if they both give him that offer, but would Cliff Kingsbury be the obvious choice to replace him or would that violate the quote, knowing the USC fight song rule? Fight on from John. Okay, first of all, the knowing the USC fight song rule doesn't apply to a guy that worked here for like 20 minutes a few years ago and then would be here for a season now. That's just because he was here. He's Cliff Kingsbury. Like that's that trumps, you know, he's not just some former USC football player. Knowing the fight song more is like you just kind of, you went to school here, you've been around here your whole life and they just hired you because they know you. That, that would not apply. 
Um, it'd be interesting if he does get I, – I was talking to somebody like, do you think he would leave? And I'm like, I don't – I think he's really happy living where he's living, you know, and not being – uh, like a celebrity, like he was when he was in Oklahoma and having, you know, his, having the beach house, you know, whatever the cliff house in Palos Verdes and his wife and daughter seem to be having a good time. But what if the Rams are, you know, chargers opened up, then he could still stay. I don't know. He would be more high profile. Uh, I'm not, my guess is he's not going to go to the NFL, but if he did, I mean, I guess if Kingsbury, like if he did a really good job this year, maybe they would consider him. I don't know. I mean, that would, That'd be a tough one. I mean, he's a, he was the the best hire they've had in forever, so it'd be you know be tough to kind of replace him a few years later. But any any thoughts? Yeah, I and this is just me speculating. I, I think he wants to win a national title before taking a step back and thinking about his his next move. And maybe again, I, that's no inside information. I, I could be wrong on that, but I just think all, all the best college coaches who have gone on to to coach in the NFL. I mean, I just think of Nick Saban going to the Dolphins. He won at LSU, and then he went. I, I feel like the national title kind of leads to that next opportunity. Of course, NFL teams in this era of passing and offense would want him. I also don't know the money because coaches in the NFL, it's not like they're these crazy salaries. I think Bill Belichick, even though it's a big secret how much he makes, is the highest paid coach in the NFL. I imagine that if Riley was approached – and we, this is getting into finances, so Ryan, feel free to, no, no, to tell me to... We don't know. It's private school. We don't know what okay, he makes, yeah. but we're assuming he makes like $10 million a year. I, right? I, I think USC could say, okay, this is your offer. We can maybe bridge that gap a little bit to, in an effort to keep him. I, I don't think the NFL um, salary would be crazy, crazy high compared to if he is making $10 million. I, I, I could see um, you know, him maybe getting 15 in the NFL, and then if you're... I don't USC, even think coaches are making that, right? Yeah. Like, so they're coming in at like six and stuff. Like, I mean, I think Bill Belichick, the number of people in New England say is around 20, but it's a big secret and he's the highest paid guy. So, yeah. But he's been, you know, he's won yeah, he, you know, six Super Bowls or whatever, and, right? And, like, and was worth it at the time. Yeah. I don't know if he's still worth it. I'm, <laughs> I'm a big Patriots fan, full, full disclosure. So, yeah. Uh, can talk about them all day long. I think that's interesting, though. I, um, I, I just, in my head, I, I could see him wanting to win something. And then going, checking that box, and then saying, "Okay, you know, let's see what else is out there." Like I don't remember what Kingsbury was making, but I don't think it was that high. But he was a fired college coach, you know, so I don't know. But they're yeah, if you're going to hire Lincoln and Riley, way you're paying, like you're paying some money because they're uh, it's uh, he's he's making some money at USC. Yeah, so so just the average is six point six million. And okay. I, I imagine if you're a high, you know, like you are what the market says you are. And if he's making 10 at USC, you won't take a discount. And this is, it's like talking about 2024. We're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Uh, yeah. To answer the other part of that question, I do oh. think Cliff Kingsbury would be an attractive guy to to, to bring in um, as, as the replacement. There'd be a lot of buzz, but I'd be a little concerned if he had a lot of success that he'd leave too. So it's a tricky, tricky balance with that. For sure. Uh, Touchdown USC says, Ryan, all eyes will be on the defense. Any chance to have a defensive expert do a video chalk talk uh, after games this season. Uh, that'd be kind of interesting. I mean, Shotgun does a good job breaking stuff down. Um, you know, we we can talk to people that, you know, have their – there's a lot of people have their opinions. You see them on, like, YouTube and stuff. But that might be kind of interesting to uh, to see. The, the problem is it's like you don't know what was called. You're seeing what's happening out there. And sometimes – you know, you talk to a player and like, oh, you assume this. You're like, that wasn't even what it was called. It was supposed to do this. Like, there's a lot going on if you're not, you know, in that room 
of what was supposed to be happening. But yeah, it would be interesting to kind of get some opinions on that. Especially at the college level too. I feel like a lot of the NFL people I follow and read their work, they're very comfortable with looking at the tape and saying what should have happened and what was called and stuff. And I feel like in college, yes, you can get to that level, but you're right. These are college kids. A lot can kind of change. And if someone does take the wrong read, maybe they thought this was happening. And it just seems kind of like there are a lot more variables at the college level than, than in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way. But no, I, I think I think that's an interesting point. Yeah. I mean, some guy could just crash the, you know, crash inside and he was supposed to hold the edge, you know, and it's like, well, why would he do with that? Like, was he told to do that or did he just do that on his own? Um, yeah, there's stuff that, that's hard to tell. Uh, Northwest Ninja, uh, did they set the starting wide receivers and DBs yet? No, we haven't heard anything depth chart wise. We should get something like heading into the first game. But even those depth charts are pretty much bogus, right? Like there's not a. I think they're significant. Not, no, you don't think so? I mean, they can be, but sometimes there's a lot of ors. It depends, you know, like if it's like a real, it's the one you want to know about. There's probably a bunch of ors. And then you're like, okay, which, you know, who's going to start running back? It's like Austin Jones or Marshawn Lloyd. Like, okay, thanks. Like that, you know, like <laughs> I wanted to know which one and it's not going to, they're not going to tell you which one. So. Yeah. And looking at the cornerbacks too, I, I could see that. I think Sierra Wright, I'm comfortable making him a starter, but then I wouldn't be surprised if it's Damani Jackson or Jacoby Covington. You're, you're right, Ryan, the guys who are in these position battles, <laughs> we get that dreaded or Who's really sure? You have to wait to see. I, I put a little stock in whose name is first. Maybe maybe that's wrong. That could be if it's not alphabetical. Um, touch on USC. Did the team captains get announced at Salute to Troy? Oh. Do you know when they're going to announce No, I, I was just going to say, I thought the question was, that, have they been announced yet? And I was going to say oh. no. Uh, you know, they, they kind of discontinued Salute to Troy, and it sort of like became less of a thing. I don't remember. You know, it's not a media event, so we don't really go. Um, you know, we're having our event before. So hopefully you guys can come to that. But um, on Friday, 3.30, Trader Joe's, University Village. Check it out. Free giveaways. Former players. Should be a lot of fun. Um, make sure you get there. Free Trader <laughs> Joe's bags. But yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know if they're going to do that kind of announcement there. Um, we'll see. I think they I think they used to, if I remember, because it's been a while. But they, that the event pretty much after Sark, they've sort of backed off making it the importance of that event. Um, they even, I think some couple of years, they didn't even do like honoring the former teams Then the pandemic. Then last year they did one in the spring. So now it's sort of like, seems a little bit more back, uh, back to normal, which is good. Uh, Blackie Chan had a few questions. Um, speaking of Cliff Kingsbury, will we see a difference in the offense with Cliff on the staff? He's sort of taking the job of a couple of guys that left last year that were helping out with the quarterbacks. Um, I mean, I think having someone that's had that much experience with super talented quarterbacks can only help. You know, I, I don't see how that's not going to help. I talked about this last week. Where my mind goes with this is Lincoln Riley and Kingsbury and even some of the other offensive coaches, just that brain power going into scheming up an offense every week. I, I think I said last week I wouldn't be surprised if they changed offense. That's probably a little too far. But don't you think that they have the potential, all these guys, Lincoln Riley and, and a Cliff Kingsbury, guys who've been really successful with some of the best quarterbacks in football, to do something special? So I I, I think it is possible. And again, that's music to USC fans' ears. So uh, you know I don't want to build it up too much. But I, I just think the brain power in that room is so great where we could see some crazy stuff and some people try to start to copy this offensive scheme in the future because it's a copycat 
game football. Once you see someone do someone something great, you, you want yeah. to copy it. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did a few wrinkles here and there, and that made some people go, "Okay, wow, this is a little bit different." Yeah, yeah like even Bill Belichick did the Wildcat for a little bit, right? Like when that, <laughs> when that was popular for a little. Well, bit. yeah, but he got burned by it first. That's true. That's why it's sort of why he kind of did it there. Yeah, it'd be funny. USC comes out triple option and stuff like that. You know, it'd be great. <laughs> Just so the NCAA video game will have more, you know, more play, more stuff in their playbook. I know uh, Jamil can... Muhammad wants to throw a pass. So, oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> Former quarterback. Uh, that'd be good. Uh, Black and Chad also says, "What's the most underrated position group on this team?" I saw it earlier, and I was trying to think. Um, this is bad radio, bad podcasting. Thinking no, no, it's okay. here. Um, you know, if you, maybe the running backs, I think that's good. I think the running backs would be, yeah. Like I, I just am nervous about putting a defensive group when I haven't seen what it looks like. Like the cornerbacks could be kind of underrated because I think there's a lot of talent there, but I want to see what that looks like. So yeah, I think I'd probably go with running backs for my final answer. I think you have two really great players at the top of the depth chart in Marshawn Lloyd and Austin Jones, and then you have some freshmen who, by all accounts, have really looked good. And I think there's a third down back opening, and I wouldn't be surprised if Quinton Joyner was a third down back for this team and played a role. Yeah, all that speed um, it could be tight ends too. You know, like talking to Jude Wolf last week, it's just like he could come in and and make a you know make a a splash. Uh, Lake McCree, of course, it just it would just be because they weren't used that much outside of catching a touchdown every other game or something. So that's, uh, yeah, I feel like that could be one. Last year, I I think it would probably be the offensive line. Just even talking to Riley, when you'd ask him about it, it was like, yeah, it was a little surprising how how good they were and, you know, the the veteran leadership that they had. They had there was a veteran group, you know. Did you read the uh, ESPN story that came out? I think Adam Rittenberg asked a bunch of coaches about um, the best teams and the best players from last year and, a couple of coaches said the offensive line at USC was overrated. They just had Caleb Williams. I thought, oh, that, I thought that was interesting, but I, I don't think I agreed with that. I thought the line was good last year, but uh, I thought that was an interesting take. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, we talk, I think when we talked to Riley, it's sort of like not the off the record thing, but it was just like sitting yeah. down. I think I asked him about that, and that was, you know, he had talked about that being like, yeah, I didn't expect them to be really as good as they were. So um, if he thinks that, I mean, it wasn't like he was trying to prop him up or anything. It was just like yeah. a, kind of a little bit of a surprise. Okay, let me. Hopefully, this works. LFG says in the press pool yesterday, uh, Lincoln Riley made a veiled hint about the twenty-three offensive line. So Riley said, just because we're returning two people from a given position group doesn't mean that group, the group, uh, will play well. I, um, he, I remember that. So he finished so, the the press conference with that. I didn't think about the line at first, but sorry, I thought it was more on the, the defensive question. side, like. Maybe like when he had mentioned stuff before, like guys that we weren't sure if they're going to be ones or threes. I thought that was more on the defensive side. I, I think the question it was by RJ um, w- was an offensive question. What is the area on offense oh. that concerns you most? So may- maybe great observation. I-, I don't know if that's true or not because there are some other position groups where maybe that could apply. But I mean, it certainly applies to the offensive line. And I think if there is an area of concern on the offense right now, it. It would be the line. Josh Henson was really digging into Emmanuel Pregnon during the portion that we could watch yesterday on a drill where he was trying to go on block a linebacker at the second level. He had to redo a couple of reps. Um, so maybe they're not gelling the way it was expected so far, but I think in the long run that the line is going to be good. All right. Uh, we had an email. and I don't didn't write who it was from. My apologies. But it says, football season, I'm excited. I did want to make an observation about the Pac-12 collapse. 
He says, I feel there were five pivotal moments that led to this. One, hiring Larry Scott with no background in college sports and no real understanding of major college sports. I would agree. Uh, not being able to get Texas and Oklahoma in realignment that would have launched the super conference movement before any other conference. That's true. Kind of like a preemptive strike there. Uh, failing to support USC through the NCAA sanction process where you undercut your signature. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Uh, no, I mean, I th- you, well, he's saying you undercut your signature program, which undercut the entire league and created hard feelings. A lot of people feel like USC was a, you know, a reason for the Pac-12 collapse because they were bad for so long. And part of the reason they were bad for so long, I mean, self-inflicted wounds for sure, bad hires, bad all that. But you sort of like handcuffed them too with the sanctions and they weren't, the leadership wasn't good enough. And you felt like other conferences defended their like marquee programs more than US than the Pac-12 did for USC. So I could see some of that, but. Well, so, but like what, if the Pac-12 defended them, would they have gotten less strict sanctions? You know what I mean? I think the Pac-12 was willing, it was sort of like a good thing in the, Pac-12's eyes that USC was getting knocked down a peg so other programs could step up. That was sort of like the mindset where it was like, hey, parity's better. And they even, not just USC, like they would have, you know, Oregon would have to, would get to play Washington when they had a bye week at home and and Washington was coming off like a road game and it would be like a Friday. Like, and then, but then Stanford would have an advantage on Oregon when they would play, you know, they sort of made it so like, it wasn't like we protected the best teams. You sort of like screwed everybody in, in one way or another. And it, it created more parity, which is not what the, the sport wanted. The sport wanted you to make the playoff. And I remember telling Dan Weber, we were at, I think it was Pac-12 championship game. And I think it was halftime. Larry Scott was going to speak. And I wasn't able, I was working. I wasn't able to get down there. But I told Dan to ask him, hey, what would you prefer? Like a team making the playoff or parity? And he said parody. And then he had to like, you know, he backed off of it for years. Like he really had like that kind of screwed him up for a long time because that was really what he was focused on. So I kind of think that's where the, this is coming from is that they weren't, you know, they were kind of happy that USC was getting knocked down because they would allow other people to step up and not looking at it as like, we don't need our signature brand being knocked down. That, that, that wasn't the mindset, I guess you could say. What are the two other things on the list? And then I I can respond to that. I don't want to get ahead of his. Oh. Oh, okay. So launching the Pac-12 network without all the rights partnerships in place at an exorbitant cost with no direct TV and their palatial offices. Yes. I I would add after USC and um, UCLA left, not taking that deal that ESPN offered before the Big 12. But I I think going back to what you said, Ryan, what's the best way to support any team in the conference? Never mind if it's the marquee team or like a Washington State or an Oregon State adding Texas and Oklahoma and getting the teams more money. That's the best way to support teams in your league. And yes, we can quibble or quabble. What's the word? Quibble, I think, not quabble. Yeah. We can go back and forth about whether uh, the, the league supported USC. And, and I. it doesn't sound like they did. I wasn't around at that time. But the, the number one way to support a, a team is to get them more money. So the fact that there wasn't enough money there, that's why everyone left. That's why the league fell apart. So the biggest part of that whole thing was not adding Texas and Oklahoma. Because if they're on this coast instead of the SEC, that changes the whole dynamics of college football. There's a lot more money in the Pac-12's pocket. And who knows? Maybe the commissioners would have still screwed it up further. But... There's no doubt the conference would have been a lot more valuable. That's the biggest one because it's all about money. Everything else is secondary, and that would have gotten him a lot more money. Yeah, it's hard to it's harder to fail when you'd have Texas and Oklahoma in there. So that I agree with that. But everything else, I, that was a good email. Everything else, I, I agree with. Uh, 
He also said the that uh, complete failure of the Pac-12 CEO group to manage yeah. the affairs. Yeah, yeah. The, the Pac-12 CEO group, especially Michael Crow at Arizona State, like messed this up. Michael Crow was messing it up until the last minute, like still trying to keep the conference together because he was backing Larry Scott and he was saying that we're never going to leave the Pac-12 and we're not going to play against, you know, we're not going to Morgantown to play a game or whatever. Like <laughs> he just looked awful because he's an idiot and he just, yeah was trying to blow this deal up so everyone else could like have a better landing spot until the last second. So him and and the rest of the group they they did they they messed up a lot too. Yeah, no, no one was forward thinking. That's the that's the biggest problem. Everyone just thought, okay, if this league gets this much money, we'll get the same amount and they didn't read what was going on. So a ton of factors go into it, but money of course is the first one. Yeah. Uh Mike had an email with news of realignment um Dakota Fields flipped his commitment from USC to the University of Nike. He's talking about Oregon. <laughs> now that there's so much uncertainty around where Stanford and Cal will end up, is SC re- is recruiting staff are they going on the offensive to flip any of their commitments? Maybe Elijah Brown doesn't want to play in the ACC and will reconsider his commitment. I don't think Elijah Brown would be one of the guys. I, the one guy on Stanford's board that USC was interested in, who I could see them potentially flipping – was Isaac Garcia or Isaiah Garcia? I pulled up the wrong list here of, of uh, Stanford recruits. But there was an uh, offensive lineman from Utah who I think recently committed to Stanford. And I think that was back when USC had Manasseh Itite in the fold and they right. thought that they were good. So I wouldn't be surprised if, hey, everyone negatively recruits every now and then. There was negative recruiting with Bryce Young. We've talked about this for a long time. Why not? Use that against Stanford. Say, hey, you know what league you're going to play, and you didn't even know. Why don't you come over to USC? We're going to the Big Ten. We'll let you showcase your talents a lot better. I don't think there's a ton of guys on either school's committed list right now that USC was interested in in the first place. But that's a guy, Isaiah Garcia, that jumps out. All right. Um, let's see. Oh, we got a couple more, and we'll let you guys go. Let's see. This was Ian uh, from the YouTube chat. Do captains not wear C on their chest anymore? Uh, they do. I believe. I mean, I don't think that's changed. Have you you haven't seen anything about that, have you? No, I haven't. Am yeah. I 0 for 2? Is Garcia? Okay, Garcia's committed to Utah, so I'm 0 for 2 on <laughs> some pretty big uh, statements. So uh, that's live radio, I guess. But at least I'm catching myself in the moment, right? But 0 for 2. No worries. No, that's okay. I thought he committed to Stanford. I guess I got my red mixed up. Um, that's two different reds. I, I don't think you're trying to pick apart the Cal and Stanford Yeah, classes. exactly. Like, exactly. That's not who you want. Like. I mean, maybe like the five-star quarterback or whatever, four-star quarterback or something like potentially, but not um, usually not other people. Uh, this is from Michael in North Kakalaki. Uh, theoretically, how would a diehard USC fan get their hands on one of the or a couple of Trader Joe's USC bags? Let's say this particular fan lives in North Carolina. Let's also say he will be attending the game USC versus Utah in October. Hmm. Now a question for the pod. Which Big Ten football stadium area are you most excited about traveling to next season? I know this season is only just starting, but it's never too early to look. I'm serious about the Trader Joe's bags. Post it on eBay. I'll buy them. Uh, LOL. Quickly on the Trader Joe's bags. So when we gave away these ones like a tailgate last year, I had a lot of requests and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll send you one. It's a pain in the butt and I end up not. I don't want to say I'm going to send them because I'm not going to send them because it's like going to the post office, getting, you know, putting them in envelopes and, you know, like figuring out what the postage is. It's not fun, you know, for these bags. I would say we will have them there. If you have any friends that are going to come to the event, have them pick them up for you. If you're going to come to a game, like something like that, if it's an in-person thing, 
we can bring them to some other event. That's fine. I would do that. Um, but I'm not mailing bags to everybody. So I'm sorry about that. So get here, get a friend that's going to be here and have them show up and, and pick up the bag for you. Whatever you want to do, I would suggest that. Um, as far as stadiums, uh, we don't know when they're going to play in 2024 anymore. That's probably changing. But if I just could pick anywhere, for me, it would be the big house because that's, you know, that's one I haven't been to. I've been to Columbus. Uh, I'd love to go to Happy Valley. I think, you know, Madison, Wisconsin would be awesome, but I'd go big house first. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, that same exact thing you just had. B- big house for sure. I went to Columbus for the NCAA basketball tournament last year because USC played there. Got to look at the outside of the stadium at Ohio State, so that would be cool. But um, I, I'm, I'm with you. Big house. Uh, Ohio State would be great. I've been to Wisconsin. That was awesome. Uh, Penn State, it's just going to be a pain to get to. So once yes. I get there, I'll be excited. But the trip, I'm not excited for. So apparently, so you can fly into uh, Happy Valley, right? But apparently, no plane, like a plane that could fly direct from LA to Happy Valley would be too big uh, for the runway there. So <laughs> it's it's like a fuel thing. Like a fuel, a, a plane that has enough fuel to get from LA to Happy Valley would be too big to land in Happy Valley. So I don't think there's a direct, even if you charter, there's no direct, my understanding is there's no direct way to get there. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But <laughs> Great. That, that sounds fun. So like, yeah, so that's going to be harder to get to. Um, and then we have one last one from Blackie Chan. What's the big off this year? And can I be a judge again and make sure you win this time, Ryan? Yeah. So Chris and I, thank you. Chris and I did a bake off last year with, uh, red velvet cupcakes. And, uh, I think I got robbed, but whatever, but they were good. It was fun. We're probably not going to be doing our own, um, tailgate this year. I think I'll be stopping by the house of victory tailgate. Um, so I know people are asking like bring bags, like, I could, you know, we're going into the game hours early, two, three hours early. So it's, I know I have friends of mine, they're like, oh, I'll meet you at the tailgate. I'll be there an hour early. I'm like, I'm already been working for an hour and a half in the tailgate. Sorry. But I will probably stop by like the House of Victory tailgate or something. So if you're going to go to that, set it up. You can email me. Maybe I'll bring some bags for you or something. Uh, we could do something like that. That would be good. But otherwise, yeah, it's going to be hard to kind of meet up before that. So probably no bake off because I don't think we're going to have our own tailgate this year. It's just, it's tough to do, try to host a tailgate and then leave two hours before and go to the game. So sorry you missed those, Connor, but I don't know, maybe we'll do another one at some point, but it's a little, a little tougher to do when we're all in there working and it's not like we can mess around now. Like this is a real season because, <laughs> you know, if they're like going to be five and seven or four and eight or something, you're like, yeah, you know, let's tailgate for a little bit and ha- have some fun. Can't do that now because they're good. <laughs> I, I am very rigid on game days. I like to get into that press box early, claim my spot, get a cup of coffee, and yeah. I if it was, I don't know. Tailgates are, are the best because you know it's the day. It's right before the game, but like if it was the day before, or day after, I'd lo- I'd love to come hang out with people. But the day of the game, it's really, really hard for me. Yeah. yeah. No, you're you're getting there early, which is great. We try to all do that. Um, RG, one last one. Uh, how improved do you believe the attendance will be for the opener? Hoping to uh, for close to seventy thousand. Last year's clocked in at sixty thousand. I think it said sixty. I don't think there was sixty, if I remember correctly. Um, I think it could be a lot, but still, San Jose State. You know, I don't know. Like, I think later in the season it'll get better. Wait, I'd say I, slightly more because what was USC ranked to start the year last year? Not as high as this. So I think no, it was like teens or yeah, twenty something. So, or, so, so I imagine I think it was said, in the twenties. Yeah, because they went for, they were a four and eight team that was. 
preseason ranked, right? So people yeah. were like, what? They're four and eight. I, I think slightly above if it wasn't really 60, whatever the actual number was. Yeah. All right. Uh, good stuff. All right, Connor. Well, thanks. We had a lot of thanks for all the email questions and everything. And thanks for everyone that was watching us uh, live on YouTube. It's great to get all the emails in and uh, we'll keep keep these rolling. We'll have Tunnel Visions starting again. Um, we're going to do previews and stuff. I guess our first one will probably be next week, next Thursday. We'll preview USC and uh, San Jose State. So that should be fun. And then we'll do recaps on Sunday. We don't, I don't know the lineups yet. I think Connor's willing to, to do these. We'll, we'll see what the uh, lineup will be. But Jack, Jack will be back. Jack Smith will be uh, back here and helping out of practice and everything. He's back at school. They're, mo- they're all moving in, right? They're, was it moving day yesterday when you guys were there? Or it's like kind of moving day all week? Maybe all week. I saw a few people move in, but it wasn't a crazy number of people. But a few rolling uh, pillows and mattresses. As you saw all that, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of made it a point in the last few years. I'm like, mm, I don't want to show up for practice on move-in day. It's just like it's just a pain to park. It's just like a lot going on. So they have practice tomorrow. So we'll, we're supposed to be there tomorrow. We'll see. <laughs> I didn't gonna, go. You gonna go for two? <laughs> no, I didn't go Monday. I gotta go. But um, yeah, we'll we'll get to we'll talk to the offensive players, Caleb Williams, stuff like that. So it should be fun. All right, let's go to wrap things up. Uh, that is Connor Morissette. Uh, I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys. Enjoy this edition of the Parastyle Podcast on our podcasting platform. And if you're watching on YouTube, all of those spots. Hope you enjoyed it. And we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Parastyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 